What's up, everybody? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's episode 34, so let's start by shouting out some of the greatest number 34s in sports history. You got, of course, Shaquille O'Neal when he was on the Los Angeles Lakers. You got Fernando Valenzuela when he was running things with the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 80s and Fernando Mania took over. And you got two great running backs in Earl Campbell and legendary one Walter Payton. And my personal favorite, number 34, I had his Saints jersey growing up. That's Ricky Williams. Absolutely a legend in his time. So NFL Sunday, the first NFL Sunday, it was Christmas morning for lots of people around the nation. I woke up on Sunday, immediately jumped in the shower, got in my car, drove to my buddy's house. They had a four TV, five TV set up, red zone on one of them, three different games on the others. It was in full effect. That house immediately turned into chirp court. There was fantasy shit talk. There was bets being placed. People rooting for, people rooting against bets. And of course, if you were going against head-to-head with someone in fantasy, you were going to talk shit every single minute that first game had its kickoff. And I have notes written down for every single game. And I couldn't be more happy that we had football on TV. And I don't care how many bets I lost. I will say right now, last Friday, I came on this podcast and gave three locks of the week. And I went one and two. The only one I got right, I believe, was the Arizona Cardinals plus seven and a half going into San Francisco. And they ended up winning 24 to 20. But I want to start with the early game on Sunday, and that's Cam Newton, the New England Patriots. When on earth has anyone outside of Massachusetts rooted for the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick? And then they bring in Cam Newton this offseason very late. They're paying him the league minimum to be their starting quarterback. He's been injured the last couple years, and he is one of the easiest dudes to root for. He brings a swagger to the New England Patriots that we've never seen before because God knows Tom Brady didn't have swagger. The only year I would say Tom Brady had swagger is when he grew out his hair that one season, had Randy Moss on his team, and they combined for what, 28 touchdowns? That's when Brady and the New England Patriots had a little bit of swag. And you know what? They lost the Super Bowl that year to the New York Giants, 17-14, one of the biggest upsets we've ever seen. But this New England Patriots team, let me break it down for you with Cam Newton. The stat I have right now, the New England Patriots had 13 designed runs for Cam Newton. 15 total rushes for Cam Newton. He rushed for over 75 yards. That 75 yards is the most rushing yards by a quarterback in the Bill Belichick era. They ran 42% of that offensive plays was the highest percentage Cam Newton's ever ran in a game, and he's played a total of 133 games. This guy's coming off injury, and the New England Patriots are all in. They might only have him for the year, and they're paying him the minimum, but they are forcing this guy to play the way he used to play, and they ended up winning 21-11 against the Miami Dolphins. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, God bless him, he's been in the league forever. He's got one of the gorgeous beards of the league. He threw three interceptions, and that's what you're either getting. Fitzpatrick either goes the hell off, or he shits the bed. So the Patriots got some help. And I don't know if we're going to judge off week one. I know Monday morning quarterback is the hot thing. 
we're supposed to judge these teams. But next week, the New England Patriots take on the Seattle Seahawks, and that's another team I want to talk about because they're my pick in the NFC to make it out and play for a Super Bowl. And if you watch the Seattle Seahawks over the last, since Russell Wilson's got there, since 2012, they have the second highest winning percentage in the National Football League behind the New England Patriots. And here's the thing. Every time you watch the Seattle Seahawks, it seems that their last second plays, the last second of games, that's what it comes down to. And Russell Wilson has to save them when they fall behind early in games. So there's a movement happening on social media that's called Let Russ Cook. Pete Carroll for years has been a run-heavy guy. He loves to run the football. And that's why at the end of games, he has to turn it over to Russell Wilson and say, hey, our offensive plays, we may be called shitty ones, so you got to come in and save us. And you're an elite quarterback. You've been to two Super Bowls. You won one. You probably should have won two. So I read Mike Sando, a writer for The Athletic. He has a cook index about let Russ cook. About top-tier quarterbacks, how often teams throw the ball on first and second down during the first 28 minutes of a football game. And we're in the year 2020. And if you go back to the early 2000s, when the greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams, led by Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, that was one of the best offenses in NFL history. And on those early downs I talked about, they threw the ball 57.8% of the time. And that was the greatest offense. Last year, first 28 minutes of the game, first and second downs, the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, they won the Super Bowl. They threw it 65% of the time on those downs. And then behind them was the New Orleans Saints, who threw it 58% of the time. And 27th in the league, with Russell Wilson at quarterback, they ranked 27th on early down passes. It was just run, run, run. And on passing downs, you throw it. So that was always the knock on Seattle. Let Russell finally take command of the offense and let him sling it. And this is a glaring stat. In 2018, on that Cook Index, the Seattle Seahawks only threw the ball 35% of the time on first and second down. And that was the most run-heavy offense since the 2011 Denver Broncos led by Tim Tebow. And if you watch those games, they were god-awful boring. I thought they were electric to somehow, some way, Tim Tebow had magic and they ended up winning games. But they didn't throw the ball for one reason. That's because Tim Tebow, frankly, couldn't throw the ball. But you know how good Russell Wilson is. He can throw the football. So yesterday, Seattle let him loose. And God bless them for it. Seattle beat the Atlanta Falcons 38-25. to Russell Wilson went 31-35 of for 322 yards, four touchdowns, and no turnovers. They played aggressive. They went for it on a fourth and five, threw the ball downfield. DK Metcalf from 50 yards out, scored a touchdown. He's on my fantasy team. I was fired up for it. But the Seattle Seahawks, if they let Russell be the guy, throw on those early downs consistently throughout this season, this is how dynamic this offense could be. And Chris Carson, their running back, had three touchdowns yesterday, two through the air. He was one of the top fantasy performers. And if you want to go back to what I just mentioned about Russell Wilson, 31 of 35, four touchdowns, no turnovers. 
The first time since Drew Brees in 2011, the second time in NFL history that a quarterback has completed at least 30 passes, has had less than five incompletions, and has thrown for at least four touchdowns. Second time in NFL history. So Pete Carroll, I'm in on the movement. Clearly, a lot of people are in on the movement. Let Russ cook. It works. Seattle wins 38-25 to against the Atlanta Falcons. They're 1-0. They look good. They play the Patriots next week, and I don't think the Patriots are going to win that game. So where do we go next? We go to the guy that left the New England Patriots. Tom Brady plays his first game in the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints, who by all accounts might be the favorite in the NFC. Two old quarterbacks, two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game going head-to-head, Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. You got electric guys like Michael Thomas on one side. You got Gronkowski returning with Brady. You got Mike Evans playing despite a hamstring injury. And Chris Godwin, we finally get to see Tom Brady. No preseason games this year. New offense. A great offensive mind and a head coach, Bruce Arians. What happens next? So on the first drive, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers march it down the field. Tom Brady, a vintage QB sneak, scores his first touchdown, spikes it. All is well in the world. We're going, holy shit, Tom Brady's in a different uniform, and it might turn out the way we all thought it would turn out, and that's him leading the Buccaneers to a hell of a season. But the New Orleans Saints said, heck no. We're not going to let that happen. Their defense stepped up. Tom Brady overthrew Mike Evans early in the game, a horrible interception. And then in the second half, when they were down 17-7, to Janoris Jenkins jumped a route, intercepted it. That's a pick six for the New Orleans Saints. They go up 24 to 7. And that's Tom Brady's third pick six since the beginning of last season. And the only guy who has more, Jameis Winston. That was also Tom Brady's first multi-interception game since week 16 of 2018 against Buffalo. Is Tom Brady falling off? Because you know if you turn on First Take, ESPN, or whatever show you watch in the morning, Sports Talk Radio, the talk is going to be about Tom Brady and his failure to win only that first game against a hell of a team in the New Orleans Saints, and we should not judge. I'm not going to judge. I know Bruce Arians, it's going to take Tom Brady a while. Like I said, no preseason games, an entirely new offense, new players that are surrounding him. And you just lost to the New Orleans Saints who are, again, by all accounts, one of the best teams in the NFC. So we're not going to jump the gun. And here's why we're not going to jump the gun. Tom Brady has reached the Super Bowl. And every time he's reached the Super Bowl when his team has lost a week one matchup. Dating back to 2003, 2014, and 2017. So that's the silver lining you could take from it all. If you lose week one with Tom Brady as your quarterback, the starter, there's a good chance you're ending up in the Super Bowl. So let's not jump the gun on Tampa Bay. Yes, they might have lost 34-23, to but it was against a hell of a team, and Tom Brady's going to be back. Best belief. And am I rooting for that team? Am I rooting for Tom Brady? No. But I think the NFL playoffs with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in them will be a sight to see. Everyone will be watching. So we flip the page. We go to another early game, and that was against the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, the youngest MVP since Jim Brown. How did he perform? He only went 20 of 25 for 275 yards, three touchdowns, and also led the team with a team-high 45 rushing yards. He looked phenomenal. He made defenders look silly like he always has. 
And yes, that chirping that was going on at my buddy's house was all directed at me because I traded Lamar Jackson this past offseason for Kyler Murray to be my quarterback. And I said, you guys can't judge until about week five. And Kyler Murray had his day. But Lamar Jackson hooked up with Mark Andrews, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, twice in the first half, and he had terrific catches. He looks like a tight end that's going to be mentioned alongside Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. If that's Lamar Jackson's guy this year, watch out. He had 10-plus touchdowns last year as a rookie. And then they added J.K. Dobbins, a rookie running back out of Ohio State. We saw what Kansas City did on Thursday night with their rookie running back. Baltimore in the second round said, hey, we're going to add to our offense by getting Dobbins. And Dobbins looked good. I think he had two touchdowns. If you have him in fantasy, God bless you. You're probably going to end up with a starter and a guy who's going to be a top 10 rusher this year in the NFL. And on the Brown side of things, it was ugly. From the start, their first drive, a tipped pass intercepted. Odell Beckham Jr., I drafted him in one of my three fantasy leagues, and I should not have done that. That's a fantasy regret. We're going to be doing fantasy regrets all year. I'm already having regrets because I had Odell Beckham Jr. last year when he shit the bed, and this year, it looks like he's going to shit the bed again. I think he ended up with about three points in fantasy. Baker Mayfield was throwing the ball away constantly. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were splitting time. Nick Chubb's another one of my fantasy guys. I wasn't happy about that. So Baltimore just blew the door open, blew out the Cleveland Browns. I know Cleveland's got a new offense with Stefanski as their new head coach. And they have way too much talent out there to be so mediocre. And that's another thing we could say, though. Let's not overreact week one. Baltimore was the one seed in the AFC last year. They're one of the better teams. So if you're the Browns today, say, hey, we lost to a very good football team. But let's look at least presentable when we take the field. Not like the Browns of the past. We've absolutely let everyone down. And this year, I felt like they were flying under the radar. New head coach, people were kind of over-given into the Browns hype. Doesn't look good, but you played a good team. What game should we jump to next? I'm going to jump right to, because I'm going to be comparing the two guys all year, Kyler Murray versus Lamar Jackson. Let's jump over to Arizona. The only game I got right in my spreads, pick them. And that was the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray looked absolutely terrific. He looked good. I'm not even biased. He looked like the quarterback that I was trading for. They beat a San Francisco team who lost in the Super Bowl last year, 24-20. to Kyler Murray had 230 30 pass yards, and he had 11 rushes for 91 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, that new connection, the boneheaded Houston Texans traded away. One of the best receivers in football. What does he do? He has a career-high 14 receptions for 151 yards. And here, here's where I have a take. Because in fantasy football, we see point swings that can change the entire outcome of our games. And I, listen, I say it every time. No one wants to hear about your fantasy football team. That's what we always talk about. But Kyler Murray connected with DeAndre Hopkins for about a 46-yard touchdown pass. Hopkins reaches for the end zone from a yard out. They call it a touchdown on the first look, live action, and then it gets reviewed. And I'm sitting next to my friends, Ethan Searles and Devin Raw, 
Well, I'm playing the first week of fantasy, and I would like to say that they haven't beat me since the year 2018. They're on a losing streak against me. But after that touchdown, I looked at our score, and I was up 102 to 63. And this was the second half of the day. There was only a couple games left. But they go to review, and Ethan and Devin are in my ear saying, oh, he's down. He's down. He didn't score. Kenyon Drake's our running back. Put him in. Let's vulture a touchdown. Let's swing this game. So what happens next? They reversed the call of a touchdown for DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals get it outside, just outside the one-yard line, hand it off to Kenyon Drake. I look at the score, and it's 95-73. to 73, And we all of a sudden have a ball game that I thought got I thought was out of, out, of, out of the picture. They had no chance. They were already down on themselves. DeAndre, or Kenyon Drake, wasn't really involved in the offense all day. Their top receiver, Michael Thomas, it turns out he had a high ankle sprain, but he got shut down most of the day against Tampa Bay. It was like he wasn't even on the field at times. So they kind of counted themselves out, and that one reversed call, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, changed my fate. But I got a 30-something point lead today, and we got two Monday night football games. They got Juju Smith, Schuster, and they got Tennessee's defense. I think I'm able to hold them off and continue my win streak against those pipsqueaks. But I'm, I'm fired up. I was pissed off about that Vulture City, but Kyler Murray looked good. And Arizona, who I think a lot of people are sleeping on in a tough division in the AFC West, Cliff Kingsbury in that offense, they look good against one of the better defenses, probably the best defense in the NFL last year. So watch out for the Arizona Cardinals because they are electric. Let's move on to the Washington football team. They were down 17-0 to the Philadelphia Eagles led by Carson Wentz. And we all thought, oh, here we go. This is a blowout. Let's change the channel. Let's take this one off. We got nobody on either of these teams in fantasy because Miles Sanders is out, and that's the only guy to really root for. And Carson Wentz, he's hit or miss. He might get injured. So they had a 17-0 lead, and Washington came and scored 27 unanswered points to beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-17. Haskins had a great game, or good enough to beat the Eagles. Peyton Barber scored two touchdowns. He's the goal line back to own over there. Logan Thomas, who was a quarterback at Virginia Tech, caught a touchdown pass as a tight end. I had no idea, but that's pretty cool. And the Redskins had eight sacks against Carson Wentz, who had two interceptions. So that D-line, they took Chase Young's second overall in the draft. They look like they're going to be a defense that's going to give a lot of headaches to a lot of offenses this year. So shout out to Ron Rivera going into Washington with all the turmoil they had in the offseason and winning that first game after falling behind 17-0. That's a team that you look at and say, all right, if they could do that, they're going to be able to squeak by a lot of teams this year and they're going to surprise a lot of people because I didn't really have an opinion on them. And the next game, what notes do I have about the Chicago Bears versus the Detroit Lions? A lot of people in sports media we're taking the Detroit Lions as their sleeper team this year. For whatever reason, Matt Patricia, I don't think he's that great of a head coach, but Matt Stafford, a pretty good quarterback who's been on the shitty Detroit Lions for years, how is he going to perform? They should be able to blow out the Bears team who had a quarterback competition in the offseason, and somehow Mitch Trubisky ends up the starter once again. And Detroit, 
even had a 23-6 lead against the Chicago Bears. They were running away with that one. And all the talk around the room was, when do the Bears go to Nick Foles? Clearly, they made the wrong decision to start Mitch Trubisky, but you know what? The Chicago Bears fought, and they ended up beating the Detroit Lions 27-23. to So they ended up coming back. And the truth, Biscuit had three touchdown passes and one to Anthony Miller that sealed the game for the Bears to put them up. The Lions got the ball back with less than a minute left. Matt Stafford, we'd seen him do it before. And the Lions should have won. Stafford threw an absolute dime in the corner of the end zone to rookie running back who I currently own in my fantasy league that I need to step up because they have three running backs in front of him on the depth chart. DeAndre Swift, a ball right in his hands to give Detroit the lead with less than 30 seconds. Dropped it, stone hands. The Lions didn't win. They lost the game. And the rookie running back could have saved them. And probably could have saved me if I actually started them in fantasy. But I didn't. And the Lions, maybe a sleeper team, maybe not. Probably not, because you can't blow 23-6 to leads if you want to compete in the National Football League. And a bad ejection, we want to talk about refs a little bit. Jamie Collins, linebacker for the Detroit Lions, got ejected for imitating, showing a ref what had happened to him by headbutting him right in the chest. Not hard, but refs, you know them. You give them a little bit of power. You give them an inch, they'll, give, they'll take a yard, and they toss them out of the game. Man, do I love refs with power. Absolutely not. It's the worst thing. So let's move on to the Raiders and Carolina Panthers. The Raiders. I believe Peter King, writer for Sports Illustrated, picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I have no idea why. The Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr is quarterback. And if there's a bright spot to look at that team, they drafted Henry Ruggs, who had three catches early on for 55 yards, got injured a little bit. Uh, Josh Jacobs, the running back for the Raiders, is going to be a beast for years to come. He had 23 rushes for 93 yards and three touchdowns. And if you own him in fantasy, you're a lucky one. He wasn't available in my keeper league. I'm pissed off about it. But the Raiders... They had a decent lead at first. Carolina started to itch their way back. McCaffrey had a total of 134 yards, two touchdowns. He was vintage McCaffrey. But Jacobs' three touchdowns overshadowed the day the Raiders escape with a 34-30 win. So Peter King, you're on the right track, I guess. But I'm not going to trust Derek Carr. And one note I have written down in this game, Nelson Aguilar scored a touchdown for the Raiders, and I had no idea that he left the Eagles. But shout out to him and shout out to that game that I didn't really watch a ton of. I watched the end of the game. The Panthers had a shot. They ran the ball on fourth and one at the 50. The Raiders stopped him. Ball game, 1-0 for the Las Vegas Raiders. They'll be home next week on Monday night to open that new stadium in Las Vegas. I'm excited to see that one. Because let's move on to the other team that opened a new stadium. And that's my Los Angeles Rams. And listen, after last year, a 9-7 and team... Not as electric as we got the year before from the Rams when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they lost it, but the offense week in and week out was one of the best in football. But last year, Todd Gurley kind of saved them for the later in the season. I was like, McVay, what are you doing? 
And I said on this podcast, hey, take Dallas minus two and a half. They got a new head coach in Mike McCarthy. I believe they're going to throw the football a lot. And they got three dynamic receivers in Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. But at the end of the day, me and my brother, it was the five o'clock night game. The Dodgers were taking on the Houston Astros. So we said, hey, let's parlay the LA teams. There ain't no way the Rams are going to lose opening up their new stadium. So let's do it. Let's take the LA Rams. Plus, uh, let's take a money line. All the way up until game time, I think it moved from minus two and a half Dallas to only minus one and a half. We took money line. There was no way the Rams are going to lose this game. And their offense was pretty dynamic. Jared Goff went 20 of 31, 270 yards, didn't throw a touchdown. But the guy that I really forgot of, and if he's if you watch Ram games over the year, they do use Malcolm Brown, the running back. But I think he got overshadowed by the draft pick of Cam Akers. The draft pick the year before, Daryl Henderson. Who was going to start out of those two guys? But Malcolm Brown was the guy yesterday, 18 carries for 79 yards and two touchdowns. The Rams led for the majority of the game. They got Robert Woods involved, six receptions, 105 yards. He looks to be the number one guy for Jared Goff. And on the other side, the Dallas Cowboys, they just had trouble putting the ball in the end zone when it mattered most. There was a third and six from inside the 15-yard line, and they handed the ball off to Zeke, knowing they were going to go for it on fourth down. And the following play on fourth down, they decided to throw the ball to a guy who was a yard short, and he ended up dropping the ball, and that basically sealed the game for the Los Angeles Rams, who ended up winning 20-17. to 17. It was a pretty good game, Dak Prescott. Yes, they did throw the football. He was 25 of 39, 266 yards and a touchdown. Zeke Elliott was basically vintage Zeke, 22 rushes, 96 yards, a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. But it's going to go back. Just like Tom Brady will be talked about today, the Dallas Cowboys will be talked about today. And Mike McCarthy will be judged off one game. I don't think that's right. I think it's a new offense. Like I said before, no preseason games. The Dallas Cowboys, I think, will get right. I'm still high on them. But when they play good teams, we know what happens. They usually don't find a way to win the football game. That's just been the case over the last couple of years. But we iced that bet. We only bet once yesterday, and we got the Dodgers-Rams parlay. Thank you very much. That's how we ended our night. Any other games to talk about? Let's talk about the other Los Angeles team. Because basically, our friends are split. My group chat, we're basically split down the middle between Rams fans and Chargers fans. Or at least that's how I feel. I feel like a couple of them just troll. They like to troll the Rams' new uniforms, which I'm really not that big of a fan of. I try to convince myself, but I don't really like them. The helmets are cool. Other than that, I don't really like the gray uniforms. But the Chargers, yes, they look good. But man, if I was going to pick a game never to watch again in my life, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday. Because outside of Joe Burrow making his NFL debut, there was really nothing to see there. Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback for the Chargers. Yes, he led the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs a couple years ago. But outside of that, that offense is going to be god-awful boring until Justin Herbert takes over, and we'll see how that works out for the Chargers. And the Chargers ended up winning 16-13, to and they had a chance to go into overtime. The Bengals had a chance to take it overtime. And Randy Bullock, their kicker, missed a 31-yard field goal and then immediately grabbed his hamstring. And I said, dead on. And I think a lot of people had this sentiment at the end of that game. For the first time ever, the Chargers lost because the other team's kicker was shitty. 
The Bengals actually lost the way the Chargers have lost over the last five years. At the end of games, in the most gut-wrenching fashion. In Gerald Burrow's debut, I felt like he was running for his life. I felt like he took a lot of hard hits. He had a bad interception when he tried to do a shuffle pass and Melvin Ingram picked it off. His first touchdown was a run from 23 yards out. And man, did CBS try their hardest to give us a stat. And it was a baseball stat of all baseball stats, really. Joe Burrow, that was the longest run by a first-round pick. First overall pick. 23 yards out. That was the longest run by a first overall pick in his NFL debut since Michael Vick ran it from 25 yards out in 2001. That was a stretch. They should have added that, yeah, it was sunny and 75 degrees outside when he did it. It was 132 exactly when he did it. But I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. That offensive line might get him hurt by the end of the season. Bengals Chargers, if they ever play again, I don't want to watch it. What other games can we go to? I'm going to end by talking about the Green Bay Packers. Because I said, it's either going to go horribly wrong, which if you're a Rams fan, I said it last week, maybe you should root for that. Maybe the Rams could be the rebound to that public breakup that the Packers might have. But Aaron Rodgers, for all the talk about him not having receivers, he went absolutely berserk on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. The Green Bay Packers put up 43 points. They won 43-34 to over the Vikings. The Vikings and Kirk Cousins looked awful. Adam Thielen had two second-half touchdowns. Deep passes that looked good. But other than that, Kirk Cousins, I wouldn't trust that guy at all to be my starting quarterback to lead me anywhere but a first-round exit in the playoffs. But Rodgers had vintage Aaron Rodgers throws. I mean, literally throws that'll get you hard. There's three quarterbacks when you watch them play football. When you watch them throw the football, you might perk up. And that's Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. And Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that might be the most dynamic wide receiver quarterback duo that we will see this season. Devontae Adams scored two touchdowns. He got 14 passes for 156 yards. That tied a franchise record. I mean, every time I looked up at that TV when the Packers and Vikings were playing, Devontae Adams was absolutely wide open, catching everything thrown his way. And out of Rodgers' four touchdowns, he threw them to three different receivers. And he went 32 of 44 for 364 yards, four touchdowns. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, the guy who never throws interceptions, didn't throw an interception again. And if the Packers offense can operate the way they did against the Minnesota Vikings, they're going to be a team in the NFC that I think a lot of people talked down on last year, thought their 13 wins were fraudulent. You might want to take that back right now. Because if Aaron Rodgers is having a forget about, you forgot about Dre season, I'm all in for it. Because it's a fuck you revenge tour that number 12 is on right now. And he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the history of the game talent-wise. He might not only he might only have one Super Bowl. But that's not a guy I want to piss off. I know it's one game over reactions. That's what we're here for. I think I've covered most games. The only thing I took away from the Buffalo Bills beating the New York Jets was holy shit. Le'Veon Bell, what a drop-off. 
Seriously, what a drop-off. We talked about this guy when he was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers as another Ladanian Tomlinson. His vision in the hole. I mean, he had that hop step where he could literally pause for like a split second. Literally, the game stopped and he could explode through a hole. And now, he sat out. We remember he sat out, held out for his money and then ended up going to the New York Jets on a big payday. And we haven't heard from him since. He played yesterday, went out with a hamstring injury. And I think if Le'Veon Bill, and I think at this point we could say it's higher odds that he doesn't return to form than that he does, I think that's one of the better talents in the history of the NFL at the running back position. That is a waste of his talent that we never got to see. Seriously, this guy was on a trajectory to be one of the best running backs in the game. Even out of the backfield, catching balls. I mean, he, Ladanian Tomlinson comparisons were there. Since his rookie year in Pittsburgh, he was the guy. Without him in the offense, we saw James Conner. He had a little bit of success, but nowhere near what Le'Veon Bell was doing in his prime with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's a shame that the New York Jets got him, and they look god-awful. And he's just kind of sitting back with all his cash. And we're going to miss out on one of the better talents in NFL history, I believe. So that was the NFL Sunday for me. Yes, I had a fantasy raw regret. I started David Singletary as my RB2. And I'm kind of raw regretting right now that I didn't go harder for a RB2. Because my other options were Jordan Howard. And rookie DeAndre Swift, who I said dropped a pass. Yeah, he scored a touchdown. And yeah, he had more points than probably both my running backs combined. And Nick Chubb, who I think should probably get the ball more. But Kareem Hunt is creeping up. And Singletary, I think he'll lose his job to Zach Moss because Zach Moss was in most of the game for the Buffalo Bills. He's a rookie out of Utah who I liked watching a lot of Pac-12 football. But my boneheaded mistake was not going for him in the draft. But I'm still going to end up beating Devin Rawl and Ethan Searles, and that's a three-game winning streak. And still, they haven't beat me since 2018. We still got two more games tonight. The Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the New York Giants, and then the nightcap goes Tennessee Titans going into Denver to take on the Broncos. I think the Titans are favored by three. I'm riding that all the way. You can't forget that they were in the AFC Championship game last year. They brought back Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's still there. It's going to be a heavy dose of Henry. Von Miller's out for the Broncos. Good luck with that. I'm excited to see Drew Locke play. Corton Sutton's down, but Jerry Judy, the Alabama dynamic receiver, will be out there. But I think Titans minus three, hammer it. Pittsburgh, the first game of the Monday night uh, doubleheader. They're favored by six points over the Giants. I'm kind of up in the air on this one. I think me and my brother actually are going to go money line Pittsburgh because we don't think they'll cover that six. Big Ben's making his return from major surgery. And we just don't know how he's going to be. And the Giants, new head coach and Joe Judge, maybe they show us something that we haven't seen the last couple years. Daniel Jones, there was a little bit of a hype train after he started against the Buccaneers last year and went off. Saquon Barkley, we know how good he can be. But it's all going to go down to that Giants offensive line. So I'm taking Steelers money line, Titans minus three tonight, parlay. And I'll admit when I'm wrong, the only game I got right Last week when I came on, again, was the Arizona Cardinals plus 7.5. I botched on Tampa minus 4.5, or plus 4.5, and, 
and I botched on the Cowboys minus two and a half against the Rams. So that's it for the NFL Sunday, the first NFL Sunday. I'm stoked. Everyone should be stoked. We get to talk all kinds of trash to our friends about fantasy, about bets, about our favorite teams tanking on theirs. And if you didn't know yesterday, there was an NBA basketball game. Yes, early in the morning, there was a game six between the Denver Nuggets and Los Angeles Clippers that was on none of the TVs because football takes priority, usually everywhere in every household. And the Denver Nuggets actually ended up beating the Los Angeles Clippers to force a game seven. And if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan, you might despise the Los Angeles Clippers. You might think over the last 10 years, they were stepping on the toes of who's the better team in LA. Well, listen, if you're a Laker fan, you should want to take on the Los Angeles Clippers. You should shut all that talk up for good by taking them on in the Western Conference Finals. Because the Clippers, if they're giving up games to the Denver Nuggets, if Denver could take them to seven games after you just went five games with the Houston Rockets, I think you should be feeling pretty good if you take on the Clippers. And I want LA to face LA because I think that's going to be a phenomenal matchup that could potentially go seven games, I think at least six. So when they play on Tuesday night this week, I think, without a doubt, Laker fans should be rooting for the Los Angeles Clippers. Just this one time. And then when they play the Lakers, of course, the purple and gold. That's who you got to root for. It's easy. That's when those colors will fly high. When the Clippers and Lakers go against each other in the Western Conference Finals. Please bring it on. Clippers, step it up. Why are you in a Game 7 against the Denver Nuggets? I mean, it's just out of control. I didn't watch a minute of that game, but how do you let them force a game seven? And in baseball, we're coming down to almost 10 games left in the season. The Dodgers on Saturday night, they played a two-game series this weekend with the Houston Astros. The Astros coming to Dodger Stadium for the first time since those cheating sons of bitches won in 2017. And fans were out loud and angry to the buses of the Astros coming in, which I was stoked to see. Trash cans banging, banners flying over the stadium that says Astros cheap, bang, bang. I loved it. But they should have won on Saturday night, and Kenley Jansen scares the living hell out of me. We need a closer when it comes to the postseason, and that's got to be the guy. And he has not looked that great. I mean, yeah, he was the NL reliever of the month two months ago. But when we needed him most, he allowed four runs against the Houston Astros and blew the game. That we led the entire game by three-plus runs. So that wasn't pretty. But yesterday, Sunday night baseball, the Dodgers returned with an 8-1 victory. I was happy to see that. Mookie Betts went yard. Chris Taylor, who's basically been the MVP for this team this year, outside of Mookie and Seager. I mean, this guy's playing out of his mind. And thank God the Dodgers took one of two because if they lost both games to the Houston Astros, I don't know if I would be doing this podcast right now. But there's a little bit concerned. I'm a little bit concerned because the Dodgers back into the bullpen, we know how important that's going to play in October. But I want to thank you guys for all listening to the 10 After 7 podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 and on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm happy football's back. I hope you are too. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.